Chapter 8 Krishna Lifts the Mountain Every year at the end of the summer season, the cowherds of Vrindavan would offer a great sacrifice to Indra, the king of gods and the god of rain. This was to propitiate him so that he would send enough rain to make the grass grow for their feed and not send too much which would make the Yamuna flood its banks and destroy their settlement. Krishna noticed the preparations and questioned his father about it. Every year we make a sacrifice to Indra to show our gratitude, said Danda. What has he done for us for which we should be grateful, queried the Lord. Hush, child, don't speak like that. You have no respect for the gods. Don't you know that it's Indra's reign? We are cowherds. Our wealth is derived from our cattle. How will our cows thrive without grass? And how will grass grow if there is no rain? If Indra is not propitiated, he will not give us rain, or he will give too much of it. And where will we be? Without rain, all human efforts are of no use. Hearing this, Krishna replied, Living beings are born according to mouth and they die according to it also. Karma regulates their attainment of enjoyment, their suffering, fears, and welfare. To creatures who are thus subject to their karma, of what use is an Indra who cannot undo the effects of those karmas? Therefore it is best to do one's duty as born of one's nature, and thus honor karma. That is worship. The three goods of Prakriti, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas are the basis of the preservation, origin and dissolution of the universe. By the power of Rajas all places get rain from which all creatures get food. What has Indra got to do with this? Being a forest tribe, we are always staying in the woods and on the hills. If you must give thanks to something, why not give it to this hill then? It is because of it that the rain clouds are stopped and rain falls in Vrindavan and on its grassy slopes and our cattle graze and grow sleek and fat and yield plenty of milk. So let a variety of eatables be made and let food and gifts be given to all, including the outcasts. Worship the cows with grass and the hill with sacrificial offerings is my view, O Father. This will make everyone happy, the cows, the holy men, and myself. If it is acceptable to you, you may follow it. Nanda had been brought up in the tradition of paying respects to all the ancient gods like Indra, Varuna, and others. But he had great faith in the words of his son, who possessed extraordinary powers as he knew. So he carried out all Krishna's instructions. On the appointed day, under the Lord's supervision, plenty of butter, milk and sweets, all his favorite dishes, in fact, were prepared in vast quantities. Do not stint on anything, Father, Krishna said teasingly. When you make an offering to God, it should be of the very best that you can afford. In and through the prank he was playing, also teaching them, a valuable lesson to give honor where honor was due and also to give lavishly when giving. 
Carrying loads of food, the entire community trudged up the hillside. There they lit the sacrificial fire and worshipped the holy men, the cows and the mountain itself. To generate faith in their minds, Krishna appeared in a gigantic form as the spirit of the mountain and consumed large quantities of the food offerings. No wonder he had asked them to prepare the things he liked best. Then in his own form as a Gopala, he prostrated before himself, and turning to the others, he asked them, In all the years that you have been giving offerings to Indra, has he ever come personally to accept them? They shook their heads sadly. Now, said the Lord, playfully, how the Govardhan has accepted your offerings in person. After this, they circumambulated the hill and then returned to Raja in a happy mood after having partaken of the delicious feast. But Indra was not to be dismissed so easily. He was not going to resign his position and relinquish his accustomed offerings without a struggle. He had listened to Krishna's audacious words to his father and was determined to teach him a lesson and punish the cowherds for their presumption in withholding the sacrifice which was his due. Thus he assembled all his mightiest rain clouds and hurled them down with such force that it rained in Vrindavan as it had never rained before in their memory. Drops as large as buckets came pelting down hour after hour Day after day, without a moment of intermission, the river began to overflow, the trees to be washed away, and it looked as if the little settlement with all the people and the cattle would be swept away in a mighty... At last, Indra's stock of water seemed to have been exhausted. The drops seemed to be losing their intensity and soon came to a full stop. Even the wind and thunder seemed to have lost their volume and soon the last howl and rumble died away in the distance. Seeing the sky to be clear of clouds, Krishna led his entourage out into the open. The land had been ravaged by the rain, but the sun was already coming out, and soon the waters would dry up. The river had begun to subside, and the animals came creeping out of their lairs. In the presence of all, the Lord installed the mountain in its original place. The inhabitants of Raja could not contain their excitement and joy, and all of them threw themselves at the Lord's feet and hailed him to the skies. Indra looked down from his heaven and knew to his fury that a new star had appeared on the firmament which would eclipse him in the years to come. With pride thoroughly humbled, he decided to go to Krishna and beg his pardon for not having recognized who he was. But he was ashamed to go by himself. He requested the celestial cow, Sudabi, to accompany him. And he approached Krishna and prostrated before him while he stood on the sodden sides of the Govardhan. Indra said, Salutations to thee, O Krishna. Thou art the indweller in all beings and the master of all devotees. I seek shelter at thy feet, for thou art the Lord, teacher, and soul of all beings. Do thou forgive me. Next, Surabhi, the celestial cow, extolled him. Thou art the Lord of all that exists, 
May thou deign to be our Indra or king in the future, so that the holy and the innocent may be protected. Allow me to perform the ceremonial bath for installing thee as our king. Verily thou art born to lighten the burden of Mother Earth. Having extolled him thus, Surabhi performed the Abhishega to him with her milk. She was followed by Indra, who with the assistance of the sages performed the ceremonial installation of the Lord as King of Kings by pouring over him the waters of the heavenly Ganga, brought in golden pots by Indra's royal white elephant, the Airavata. To the ringing cries of Hail Govinda, Hail Govinda, they install him as the overlord of all jivas or embodied souls. This incarnation of the Lord was with the express purpose of saving all jivas from the wheel of existence, and thus it was fitting that he never again submitted to another consecration ceremony as a king. When Krishna was thus acclaimed as Lord of cows and jivas, it is said that milk started to flow from the udders of all cows, and the earth was bathed with their offerings. The rivers began to flow with waters of various delicious tastes. Trees began to shed honey, and cereals to grow and mature without any cultivation. After this fantastic event, the Gopas, who had not yet understood the divinity of Krishna, were anxious to know more of the details of his birth, for they could not understand how Nanda and Yashoda, who were ordinary cowherds like themselves, could produce such a prodigy. So they went to Nanda and demanded an explanation. Then Nanda himself did not know much except what the sage Garga had told him, and this he divulged to the others. Hearken to me, O Gopas, he said. I will tell you what Gargacharya has told me about the birth and achievements of my son. Your son, he said, will help you to attain higher spiritual evolution. He will enable you to surmount all the difficulties and contribute to the happiness of your people and your cattle. Those who love him will have no cause to fear enemies, for he is equal to the Lord Narayana in respect of auspiciousness fame, prowess, and other great qualities. Therefore, O Gopas, do not be surprised by these exploits, revealing his divinity and majesty. The Gopas, who had personally witnessed these feats, were delighted to hear of Garga's predictions and started worshipping Krishna as Lord Narayana. Once Nanda, after an Ekadashi, or eleventh day moon fast, went to the Yamuna on the twelfth day of the moon, very early in the morning for a bath. The servants of Varuna, the god of the waters, took him to their master's abode. The Gopas ran and told Krishna that his father had disappeared in the water, and Krishna entered the river and went to the abode of Varuna to rescue his father. Varuna was one of the protectors of the quarters, and he was filled with joy to see the Lord, and worshipped him with various ingredients. Then he loaded Nanda with numerous gifts, and sent both of them back to Raja. Naturally, such a stupendous happening could not be kept to himself. Nanda began to bruit the tale about his fantastic experience in Varuna's abode, 
And soon the news spread far and wide, and the other Gopas also thirsted for a similar experience. Knowing their desire, Krishna took them to a pool called Brahmaradam, or the pool of Brahma, and asked them to take a dip. There he showed them the vision of Lord Vishnu, lying on his serpent couch in the middle of the milky ocean, surrounded by celestials and sages. What was more wonderful and thrilling to the Gopas was the fact that they recognized Vishnu to be none other than the son of their chief. They were filled with bliss and lost their sense of identity and merged in that ocean of bliss for a few exalted moments. Thus, one by one, Krishna fulfilled the desires of all the inhabitants of Gokula, his parents, his playmates, the Gopalas, and his father's friends, the Gopas. Now all that remained before he left them was to satisfy the desires of the gopis. Thus ends the eighth chapter of Sri Krishna Leela, named Krishna Lifts the Mountain. Hari Om Tatsur.
Yeah. Mm-hmm.